You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. Uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. It's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat! I want you to eat! I want you to want this shit! Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me! Bunch of this did it again! Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, not much, Shane, and getting ready for another week of exciting SEC action. We got some good games. Man, I know they're a few days out, but uh, the fact that we're getting more into SEC play, I'm just getting fired up thinking about it. <laughs> for sure, man. Why can't we have Thursday games, man? You know what I'm saying? Just mm-hmm. like one, one of these cupcake teams, they could have played on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be the dream. When it, the SEC, oh, they, yeah. they almost always used to play on Thursday nights, if I recall. It, was, it always seemed like it was South Carolina or Kentucky, but Dude, we need I to bring that back. Louisville. You know, I, when somebody says Thursday night, I thought about Louisville or Boise State, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of times changing, Shane, before we go around the league, how about this clip? I just thought this was interesting. We're not going to do a deep dive on LSU today, and that's because uh, Derek Mason and Vanderbilt, they don't speak until Tuesday. So we're going to wrap most of our LSU stuff in with the Vanderbilt stuff since they're going head-to-head. But I just thought this clip was too good not to use Shane Cocho talking about the difference in recruiting skill players now that uh, LSU has finally opened up the offense down there in Baton Rouge. Well, see, so here's me texting a skill player. Are you ready? Hey, this is Coach O. Can you call me? Bling. Hello. <laughs> As opposed to, hey, this is Coach O. Can you call me? Uh, no answer. All right, Shane. So, I mean, LSU's, they're loaded at receiver right now. They're trying to get a number of elite prospects down there to just kind of restock the unit there. But I just thought this was pretty – this is go- the latest gold from Coach O. Dude, they keep winning, man. Them recruits will start coming. So, uh, this is – I bet it is not in day, man, because nobody – no, as a skill player since, you know, OBJ and Jarvis Landry, you know, it's been a while since you had some dynamite receivers and – offensive playmakers on that field now they've had you know Leonard Fournette and running backs and great offensive line and plenty of defense but wide receivers when you think that you don't think about LSU unless you're talking about the greats there Mm -hmm. now they currently have a five-star in Rakeem Jarrett he's committed I believe they've got two elite four-star quarterbacks committed as well so I mean LSU right now is the place to be all of a sudden I mean, there's plenty of other places around the country like Oklahoma and Clemson and Alabama, all these others that have open offenses at the moment. But I just think it's kind of I think it's kind of the new thing now that it's LSU. It's new and 
I mean, we've seen it. Joe Burrow, we're like three games into the season. He's about to break the LSU record for passing yards in a season. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, it's a, it's night and day from last year, you know. All right, Shane, one other thing before we jump to uh, SEC action here. I just thought this was also semi-SEC related, but, man, we just keep dreaming this up in the college football playoff. If it's got to be anybody, Shane, I want it to be Jalen Hurts, Oklahoma, taking on Alabama. How great would that be? And uh, let's kick it over to the Oklahoma quarterback who's he's still got quite a bit of Nick Saban coaching in his head. What's the mindset coming out of this game for you guys? 3-0. Oh, uh, listen to that rap poison. Uh, we want, we want to um, focus on what, what we need to focus on, improve on the things we need to improve on, and try and build as a team. So how about that, Shane? He's wrapping the <laughs> rap poison on us. You ain't, got, ain't nobody got time for that, Mike, you know? I mean, that is a man on a mission, you know? He's going to keep his team focused. And, and uh, golly, man, who do we got for the Heisman right now? We got Tua. We got Jalen Burroughs and Trevor <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. I think those are the oh, four yeah, favorites Trevor. right now. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, these the, could you imagine? I mean, I hope that there's four SEC teams in the playoffs, Mike. But if there's not, <laughs> I'm with you, man. I want to see Jalen up in there. Yeah, I mean, just so many storylines, but uh, that's that's a long time away. So, oh, one last thing, Shane, before we jump around the league, I know we're in week four of SEC play, but on Mondays. The league always announces the schedule for the week ahead. So let's just break that down quickly here. The week five SEC games. We got a couple teams on a buys already for week five. So not a complete slate, but this is a good one, Shane. There's plenty of SEC action here. And let's just go uh, by kickoff times like we normally do. So we'll start with uh, the two noon kicks. First one is kind of ho-hum. Northern Illinois at Vanderbilt. That's going to be the noon game on SEC Network. And then how about this one, Shane? This is going to be interesting. Texas A&M versus Arkansas. And, of course, this is always in AT&T Stadium there in Arlington. That's going to be the noon kick on ESPN that uh, Arkansas is still searching for that first win over the Aggies since they joined mm-hmm. the SEC. Uh, Chad Morris went to Texas A&M. I mean, there's so many ties to this program and in the Arkansas program here, so that's going to be a hell of a game. Uh, the 3:30 CBS game, game of the week. This is an interesting choice here, Shane. Ole Miss at Alabama. That uh, I don't know how much that's, of a game that's going to be. <laughs> that's interesting. What is their <laughs> other option here? Well, we got two night games, Shane, that are really good here. I would have went with either one of these, honestly. Mississippi State at Auburn. That's a 7 o'clock Eastern kick on ESPN. Mm -hmm. And then Kentucky at South Carolina. Wildcats got that big winning streak over the Gamecocks, 7.30 Eastern time, SEC Network. And then the only other game on the schedule is kind of a snoozer here, Towson, which actually they are the number five FCS team in the nation, (laughs) at Florida. That's going to be a Uh 4 o'clock on the SEC network. So that's the week five schedule, Shane. Anything um, anything jump out to you about that? No, that's a that's a pretty rough week, Mike. You know? <laughs> I thought week three was bad, you know. Uh, I mean if you got uh, kudos old miss, man. I mean, if they beat Cal, then they deserve it three thirty spot. But if they don't, man, uh, yeah, I think I would have rather have had the that Mississippi State game moved up. Mm-hmm. Or depending on who wins this Kentucky South, you know, South Carolina 
If they beat Missouri, Kentucky, if they beat Mississippi State, this is going to be a showdown in the SEC East. So with uh, I, I would have liked to have seen some Heislinski there once again on CBS. I don't know about you. Well, a little night game ain't bad either, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, last night game was pretty electrifying. So I think that's a, I think that'll work. It's just, I don't know, man. That's just where we are week five. So we got some bye weeks. Who's on bye? Uh, Tennessee's on a bye. Georgia's on a bye. Looks like uh, LSU is going to be on a bye. So lots of teams on the bye week five. Because remember, there's two buys for each team this year. Yeah. So uh, it's good for the players. Maybe not so good for television. But uh, <laughs> I think it gives us a better product at the end of the day. You know what? Yeah, for sure, man. Get All your right. weddings in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, uh, enough of all that stuff. You ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go around the league. league. We haven't decided how we're going to play the guys, so I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, just hear it over and over and you know like every other every third song it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice so you just uh, you get used to it it's, it's a catchy tune right I mean. this game's gonna be a street fight this game's gonna be a street fight i mean some of you guys don't know who kimbo slice is hopefully you do um, and you go back to it man this isn't a sanctioned fight this is a street fight i mean this is the sec so man it's time it's time to put on the hard hat lunch bell let's get to work All right, Shane, let's start here in Gainesville. Well, Dan Mullen met with the media here on Monday, and he was asked about, obviously, Felipe Franks going down, confirmed that uh, the junior is out for the season with a dislocated ankle. Really tough news, but this is kind of the news we expected. How does this team move forward, Shane, without Felipe Franks in the lineup? And, uh, you know, obviously we all, what we always go to is how are these other backups going to fit in on the field? Uh, how How is it going to affect the offense and everything? But uh, Dan Mullen was really kind of concentrating more on the leadership and who's going to step up there. Because Felipe Franks, you know, it's not that he's gone or anything, but just can't obviously have that leadership in the huddle on the field because he's not there. Uh, so he hit on that. And then he was also asked about uh, – you know, the quarterback situation moving forward. And I thought this was a really interesting comment here by uh, Dan Mullen. But, you know, I mean, to me, you got to lead who you are. And I think the guys on the team know those, know the guys, and they respect their style of leadership. There, there's not one way to lead. You know, I think the worst thing you can do is try to lead in a personality that is not who you are because then it's fake or phony. Uh, so I think with our quarterbacks, they, they're good that way. You know, I think everybody – but they've always been put in position to do that. I mean, could you see this kind of becoming a, a Leak Tebow type of deal like, like you had then, obviously, in 06? Could be. Um, we'll see. You know, I, I mean, it's Emery's much further along than Tim would have been in 06. So, um, but, you know, I mean, I, I think we'll use the, we'll have the, the situations because I think both – each guy has, brings a little bit something different issue to the defense. But it, it crosses over a lot too. And so I think, uh, I think that'll be, be kind of fun for us offensively to kind of put it all together. All right, Shane. So 
once you get down to Kyle Trask, Emory Jones, Dan Mullen's seeing a little Chris Lake, Tim Tebow. <laughs> he almost acted surprised like, wait, I was going to sneak that one out next week. How did y'all know? You know, because the whole nation knows, you know, this is a Tennessee, Florida and the backups always do great. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know, but he did. He, I thought it was interesting. He was talking about he's further along than Tebow. You know, I always thought Tebow just grasped it right when he first started. So, I mean, I don't know if he's just saying that to pump up Emory's confidence, but I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that seems to be the comment that got the most reaction here on Monday from Dan Mullen. But the more I think about it, Shane, when Tebow, so this would have been Tebow's freshman year is specifically the year he's talking about. And it's hard to think back that far, 2006, drank a lot of beer since then. But (laughs) from what I remember about Tebow, I just remember him coming in. He was like a battering ram. You know, he was jumping and doing jumping jacks and firing everybody up. I thought he was kind of a joke, to be honest with you. I thought with Chris Lee gone, and I was like, they're going to rely on this jumping jack guy to to be the answer his sophomore season. That was, of course, the year he – I think he scored like 60 touchdowns and looked like the best player of all time. So he definitely, I kind of see what Mullen's saying. That year two leap in the system is kind of what he's had under him. And that's kind of what maybe we they have in Emory Jones because this is his second year in Dan Mullen's system. But, you know, it's it's kind of hard to imagine. I, like I said, I, I see what he's saying, but at the same time, it's kind of, it's kind of wild to compare anyone to Tim Tebow, especially someone that uh, we've we've barely seen on the field for the Gators. Does it does it feel like a weight was lifted? I mean, just something about the way Dan's talking during this press, especially when it came up about quarterbacks. It's almost like here's a kid that got two new toys, you know, and he's just he doesn't know exactly what he wants to do with them yet, but he just can't wait to show them to his friends. That's just kind of what the 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 feel I was getting in this. What about you? Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting because it, I do think they had to kind of handle Felipe in a certain way. And I just, I don't really know how to explain it, but it just seemed like they had kid gloves for him because mm-hmm. I think he was so, I don't know if damaged is the right word. Something, you know, something mentally was, was off with him. I think by the time Dan Mullen got there, a lot of people were just waiting for Emory Jones to take over last season. Of yeah. course, that didn't happen, and Felipe Franks had his best year by far. But he still, he's just he would make these careless decisions. I mean, he did it again against Miami. He did it against Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they just really had to, like I said, kind of like treat him with kid gloves. And I don't think Trask or Emory Jones, at least not from what we've seen, they're going to have to do that. And, and I think you might have a good point there, Shane. Yeah, I mean, it's like now he can tell his quarterback, hey, if you don't perform, I'm pulling you. I've got another guy. You know, it just he doesn't have to he doesn't have those kid gloves on anymore, which is kind of scary as a Tennessee fan. Well, speaking of Tennessee, Shade, this was I don't know if you want to call it comical. I don't think you'll think it's comical, but this was a 32 minute presser, Shane. And it took until about the 31 minute and 30 second <laughs> mark before Tennessee was even mentioned. And Dan Mullen talked about uh, the Vols here, and I picked up on something, Shane. I want to see if you did. Let's kick it over to Mullen. You know, and- could you speak on Tennessee for one second? Only we got a Tennessee question in. Just yeah, <laughs> Tennessee's really good. Got a lot of talent. 
You had a lot of talented players. I know that maybe the season didn't start off exactly the way they wanted it to, but I think that BYU game looks a little different now, how they handled USC. Um, you know, and, and um, you know, you look at their team and their talent, obviously, you know, I mean, and, and Jeremy took over trying to build, build the program up. Uh, they had a couple of huge wins at the back end of last year. Um, you know, and some talented players. So it's going to be a, a, a huge challenge. And then anytime, obviously, you know, they, they, they got guys that can score on offense. Uh, they got guys that have speed on defense. Um, you know, skill players. They have really good skill players. So it'll be a big challenge for us. And anytime Florida plays Tennessee, it's always a big game. Uh, they're a pretty good team there, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> We've hit on it before when Dan Mullet is uh, lying his ass off, his he changes his yeah. voice there a little bit, and I mean, I picked up on that. It, he was he was doing his damnedest to to build up the Vols here, but uh, I mean, they, they yeah. got they got some runners, they got uh, yeah. they got some guys that can uh, they got some players, they got them. They got a, they got a guy on offense, they can score touchdowns, and the the guys on defense they like to tackle, Mike. You know, and I just I I I read right through that myself, man. I mean, here we are, you know, a buddy of mine sent me. Uh, the clip of this and he said the very last question was about Tennessee they talked for over 30 minutes and the very last thing they talk about was University of Tennessee he goes just think how far this rivalry has failed you know and he, he you know Justin hit it man he I, I could when I thought about that I was like you know the more mad I got man just because you're right that's where we're at right now in this in this rivalry. But it wasn't that many that many years ago we won, you know. But I don't know. They're just overlooking Tennessee, buddy. Well, I'll tell you who's not, Shane, and that's you. Because right before no. we got on here, mm-hmm. you were pumping that sunshine, saying the ball's <laughs> got a shot down in Gainesville. Oh, man, that's just the homer in me, man. You know, it's like, well, I was thinking like the pros, and this is, this is so stupid, but I was like – you know what? We're used to playing at 12. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Florida's not, you know. And, and here you got coach, did, went 30 minutes, the media, nobody even talking about Tennessee down there. Maybe we shouldn't do any hot videos. Maybe we should just, like, make them feel like we're UTC coming in there, you know. I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just uh, little things like that. I mean, you got the backup quarterback, which you're always worried about. And, and Florida's got a ton of talent. I I know it's going to be in the swamp. I know they're going to have a lot of people there, and they're going to have a home field advantage. But these twelve o'clock games, Mike, they're they're tricky. You know, some that's just when you're going to have an upset. A lot of times, it's at that noon kickoff. Well, let's jump over to the other side of this one, Shane. Let's jump to Rocky Top. Jeremy Pruitt met with the media here on Monday. I had kind of forgotten about this until now, Shane. But remember during camp. I mean, apparently they had signs all over the locker room about Gainesville and the temperature and all this. And, I mean, Pruitt made reference to Florida several times during training camp. So this is clearly, he understands how big of a game this is. He understands, you know, just how much Tennessee fans care about this game. I mean, this mm-hmm. is this kind of makes or breaks Tennessee coaches, how they do against the Gators. <laughs> that's, that's kind of why they've been through so many here lately. But, uh he was asked about Florida and the offense and with Kyle Trask in it now, with obviously with Felipe Franks down. So let's jump to Pruitt's comments here. And he was also asked about last year's game, Shane. I thought his response here was pretty comical. 
Just from what you've been able to see, how are they different without Franks, with Trask in there at quarterback from what you were able to see on film? And are you preparing for the likelihood of them maybe using two quarterbacks Saturday? I mean, they just ran they ran their their offense. Uh, same plays, nothing different. Uh, Might even executed better, you know. Uh, obviously, they scored more points there in a short period of time. But uh, as a guy that uh, competed for the quarterback job, uh, very talented, um, and and has experience. Jesse then Marshall. Jeremy, for a guy who didn't start in high school and you have very little game tape on for Kyle Trask, do you go into a game like this just preparing as if Felipe was the quarterback? Is that how you kind of have to take with just minimal film on the guy who will actually be back there? Well, I think last year um, at one time for them it was close enough that there was a quarterback battle, you know, talking about who's going to be the starter even into the season. So, uh, Sky's plenty capable. Saw it other night. Um, you know, very efficient in what they did. Uh, they didn't really change much of who they are. Uh, the guy's plenty capable. He's a big, strong guy that's got a good arm, and uh, he's physical in the run game. Coach, obviously, you know, it's different circumstances from last year, but how much do you think you guys are going to lean on the experience of being in, you know, playing Florida last year and how that game went down in your preparation this week? Well, I hope we learned a lesson that if you turn the ball over six times, it's hard to win. Uh, you know, so, you know, last year's game will have no bearing on this year's game. So um, we've got to get our guys we, – we'll have a good plan. Uh, we've got to get our guys ready to execute the plan, play the right way, uh, and do it for 60 minutes. All right, Shane. So, yep, you turn, turn the ball over six times, you can't beat nobody, and that's the way it was last year. I mean, how confident – were you? I mean, hell, you made a, sh- a hype video. Shane yeah. balls by fifty. <laughs> I mean, Tennessee fans were all about this. Well, this was Florida coming off the Kentucky loss, and yeah, so much confidence there. And then, uh, I mean, everything that could go wrong did go wrong for the for the balls in this one. And uh, I mean, that that's kind of the message here. We just can't implode this week. Yeah, I'm still getting, I'm still getting tweets from Florida about that video, Mike. You know, but I don't delete. I put it up there. I I claim it. You know, and you know, it's it's something about this game, man. I mean, and it's not fair for for these kids that are on the team because they they don't know. You know, that it's not. I mean, when you grow up through the '80s and '90s, and and this Tennessee and Florida game, I mean, there's been some barn burners. There's been some. There's been some games that you've wanted to pull your hair out, and there's been some that you talk about being the greatest game you've ever watched. You know, it's just this rivalry means more to me, I guess, than a lot of people that don't follow it, and probably the younger ones because they don't remember. Just, I mean, whoever won this game typically won the East. You know, that's that's kind of how it played used to play out. So, uh, I don't know. It just means more. And then, and then I want to say, like from a Tennessee perspective. Okay, we're looking at Florida, and this is just everything I'm seeing, you know, like we have an opportunity. I don't don't think they're sold that Florida is a top 10 team. You know, they see they see that they struggled against Miami. They see that they struggled against Kentucky. They they don't have their starting quarterback now. There's defenders on this team that are hurt. There's receivers that are hurt. And then, you know, so you're painting this picture. They don't think Dan's a good coach. You know, this is just what I'm hearing, okay? Now, on the opposite side, here you got Florida probably thinking the same thing about Tennessee. Like, you guys lost to Georgia State, for crying out loud, you know? Why should we worry about you? And, yes, we lost to BYU. But, you know what, BYU 
looks a little bit better than we thought, you know. I, I don't know if you watched a lot of that USC game, but maybe maybe the Georgia State was more of a fluke and BYU was a better team than we thought. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying not to get too caught up. I'm not coming out with any hot videos, Mike. You know what I'm saying? But I do think that this is a, a classic trap game for Florida. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the fact that your coach did not even talk about Tennessee until the very last minute, and it had to get brought up. You know, it wasn't like coach volunteered. I mean, Nick Saban talked more about Southern Miss than he did about Tennessee, man. You know what I'm saying? And if your head coach is doing that, maybe they're not Maybe they're not thinking about how big this game could be for them. Because I tell you what, it's bigger for Tennessee to lose. I mean, I'm sorry. It's bigger for Florida to lose this game than it is for Tennessee to win it, if that makes sense. Well, Shane, you're starting to convince me now. <laughs> Did I say it's 12 o'clock? I mean, we got experience. Did you see what last time we did at 12 o'clock, Mike? <laughs> we had 30 points before 1 o'clock, you know? All right, Shane. The other SEC matchup here we want to break down. Kentucky traveling to Mississippi State, 4 o'clock Eastern time, 3 o'clock Central on SEC Network. And this could be a huge game for both these programs, Shane. Obviously, both coming off tough losses. You don't want to go down. Kentucky does not want to go down 0-2 in SEC play. Mississippi State, no, excuse me, they started with a terrible loss to Kentucky, then backed that up with a terrible loss to Florida. So uh, Joe Moorhead knows about starting in a hole in the SEC play. He cannot really afford that either. Uh, This is going to be a a really great game, I think, Shane. So that was kind of the big question we had with Mark Stoops' group coming into uh, the week. How will they respond to a tough loss. You hit on it on the previous episode. They did not handle it well when they lost to Georgia. How will they respond this week? And that's uh, kind of something that's heavy on Mark Stoops' mind. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's a big, big focus this week. As you know, I talk about, you know, each situation every week. And, um, you know, with, with this moving on to Mississippi State, we don't have much time to dwell on it, you know, so it's next man up, you know, next battle, next punch, next time to get get another opportunity against a quality team on the road. And, and that's another thing, you know, with some young guys going on the road and going down there and they'll be rocking their cowbells and it'll be uh, it'll be a racist crowd and, and there'll be some guys that uh, haven't been exposed to that yet. So uh, we'll try to get them ready for that this week. No, no, I don't want to part with 50,000. <laughs> All right, Shane, so not only that, but he got in his final say there about the refs not wanting to lose 50 grand there. I thought that was pretty great, but, uh, you know, this has got to be a – I don't know if I want to call it a concern because I think Mark Stoops' program, it's reached a point where just, you know, the players are – it's not even a flash in the pan, you know what I mean? It's it's Mm-mm. gritty line of scrimmage, it's toughness. Those are things that don't typically go away in a week. And I know we keep hitting about that last year, the disappointment after losing to Georgia, but it was just that was so different to me because that was basically for the SEC East. That was the season had led up to that point, getting it at home. Whereas this Florida game, yes, it was devastating, but 
they didn't get dominated like they did against that Georgia game in a, in a mm-hmm. game that meant everything. So I'm fully expecting this Kentucky group to, to bounce back this weekend. Yeah, man. St. your Paul's Kentucky team, Mike. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? <laughs> Everybody keeps pointing to last year like it was a fluke. It's not a fluke, man. I mean, this is a well-coached ball club. Did Now, did the coaches make some mistake this last game? Absolutely. But, I mean, top to bottom with the talent. I mean, you look at the classes that they're getting, you know. They're not – I mean, they get a, a, a couple great athletes. I'm not, I'm not saying Kentucky can't attract them, but – they, I mean, compared to Georgia or, or uh, Alabama, you know, it's it's night and day. But what they do with the talent they have, they make better year after year. And then you see some of these upperclassmen that you've never even heard of go out there and look like a damn five-star athlete. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's just – that's developmental school 101, and that's where Kentucky's at. And, and they're going to need it this week, Mike. They're going to need them coaches to get in them heads and get them back on track because you cannot be hungover going into this week. Yeah, and thinking about it this way too, Shane, that Sawyer Smith, if he plays like he did in that first half against the Gators, I mean, I'm not thinking – there's going to be too many games Kentucky's going to lose the rest of the way. Mm-mm. I mean, he was yeah. outstanding. Now, he was not that good in the second half. but uh, So that's got to be the correction. Is his first game as Kentucky starter. So, you know, you're kind of seeing some of that struggle coming, I guess. But uh, if they can get that out of him, I mean, I, this could be a big win for Kentucky. Absolutely. And, a, and it could be a bounce back for Mississippi State, too, you know. I mean, this there's this is one of the biggest games. I mean, it's not going to get the publicity it deserves, but this is a this is a huge game, a pivotal game here in the SEC, man. Mm-hmm. Well, let's jump over to that other side then, Shane. Go to a Mississippi State. You know, how about this? We we're not really mentioned this, but something you hit on with BYU. You know, they turned around and beat USC. That that's looking like a better loss for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And maybe we underestimated this Kansas State team, Shane. I mean, they're undefeated. They're ranked now yeah. in at least one of the polls. Uh, you know, if Kansas State goes on to win, I don't know, nine, ten games, what have you, that's going to look a lot more respectable considering the fact that Mississippi State's quarterback not only was injured, but it seemed like he got worse as the game went on because of that shoulder. So, yes, I'm not saying they should have lost that game. I, they definitely should have won it, but – it's just so hard to go in a, a game with uh, the game plan all Tommy Stevens and then you have to switch to the freshmen. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, Shane. It, maybe we're underestimating how good this Kansas State team is that beat Mississippi State. What are your thoughts on that? Mike, we're three weeks in. We still don't know who these teams are. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's there's a few that we got to pulse on, but until we get into serious conference play – it's it's hard to judge some of these second tier teams. You know what I'm saying? Because Georgia, Alabama, LSU, maybe Auburn, maybe Texas A&M. Those those we kind of know what they're about. You know, Missouri's coming on, but still, even with Mizzou, we we're still in the kind of in the weeds. You know, because Wyoming's haunting us. So these next level of teams. Would they, we just got to have some conference play to really judge how good or bad they really are, you know? Right, I, I agree with that. But the one thing that I have seen enough from Mississippi State, I think they pushed all their chips in with Tommy Stevens. And after two weeks, that looked like a brilliant move. I mean, a guy 
but he was not going to be an All-American by any means, but he was just playing efficient football, pushing it down the field. Mm-hmm. He just he just made that Joe Moorhead offense work. And without him, I'm afraid it goes back to more Nick Fitzgerald type that we saw last year, which, I mean, they kind of found a way for it to work about half the season, but the other half it yeah. was atrocious. So that's my real concern. Can Tommy Stevens play? It sounds like, uh, according to Joe Moorhead, he's better this week at this time than he was last week at this time. So take that for what it's worth. But at the same time, I think they've really got to get Garrett Schrader up to speed quickly because his performance there in the fourth quarter, it was very gutsy, but it was just, it wasn't enough to to get the win, obviously. Uh, so let's jump there to Moorhead, talking about his quarterback room, uh, where that situation stands, and how big it is to start to SEC play with the win here. It is. It was way better yesterday and today and heading in tomorrow than it was at this point last week. Now, not much in the first half. I mean, 7-13 was moving the ball around pretty good and, and, and had a couple drops, and, you know, it just got a little bit a little bit weak on him at halftime, and he wanted to try it out, and we wanted to see how it went, and then, it just got to a point where we felt that, uh, you know, it was, you know, we don't want to leave him in the game when he wasn't able to, uh, you know, perform at 100%. So we had to move on. Past two games, you've had to play two quarterbacks, obviously. How important would it be to, to have one, whether it is be, Stevens be or great. Yeah. It'd be awesome. Like, yeah. how, how vital is that? How valuable is it to, to have one guy play throughout the duration of a game? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think just from a consistency standpoint, and when you look at, and I'll say, it took a minor step back. I mean, we had a bunch of different guys catch passes, but we fell off from a, from a completion percentage standpoint. That that continuity in the pass game, when you talk about the three elements, you know, protection, uh, you know, route, read, throw, and catch, and I think that's where, you know, as we talked about it. You know, there were times where, where the protection broke down a little bit. I mean, we only gave up two sacks, but there was a little bit of leakage on some of the third down stuff. Uh, we had people open and maybe missed a read or two, or had people open and threw it accurately and had a couple critical drops, you know, or uh, you know we misread it or, or had an overthrow. And I think that that lack, as you mentioned, that lack of consistency with who's throwing the ball and who's making the reads, particularly when the the, the second guy in there is, is a true freshman, uh, you know, you'd, you'd love to keep you know one guy in there the entire time just to build off all the positive things we did in the first two games. All right, Shane. So once again, Mississippi State, they fell in a hole early last season in SEC play, never really managed to dig out of it. I think they really want to avoid that this year. And this is one of the few home games they have remaining in the next couple weeks. I mean, they got to go to Auburn, to Tennessee. And then when they do come home, they get LSU. That's their next home game. And then they Mm -hmm. follow that up with Texas A&M and Arkansas, both on the road. And then they come back home to face Alabama. So, I mean, they're not going to have a ton of chances to get wins, especially at home, if they do not win this one. So this is, I mean, this is a crossroads game here for Mississippi State. It really is. Yeah. And I'm I'm just worried about Tommy, man. You know what I'm saying? It's just, is this thing going to linger all season? You know what I'm saying? Is this one of those things that they shut down three weeks from now and he ends up having a uh, season ending surgery or something like that. Or was this, they just rushed it too quick because they really needed him. You know, I, I don't, we don't know that situation, but if it's the, if it's a, a potential, you know, it's going to jeopardize the way he plays the rest of the season, then you've got to get something going in the, 
to back him up, you know. And maybe it's it's our bearded trader. I don't know. It could be uh, it could be KT. You know, I we still don't know that situation. So I don't know. But they're gonna have to get it figured out, and they're gonna have to figure they're gonna have to get it figured out now, man. Because like you said, you just read that schedule. I mean, it's it's going to get harder every week. Well, Shane, speaking of getting harder. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Let's jump on down to Athens, Shane. Oh, dog, sick him! Where Georgia is going to get their first real test of the season with Notre Dame coming in there. First ever trip to Athens for the Fighting Irish. And I just thought this uh, this was kind of neat. Kirby Smart talking about these big non-conference games. Uh, you know, the Bulldogs have scheduled so many tough games, upcoming home-and-home games, Shane. Thankfully, not these uh, neutral site games that we're all tired of seeing. So uh, Kirby talked about that all Monday, uh, how much these big games mean to everybody now, that particularly when they're at home. And the fact, uh, this is not something I had really considered until now, Shane, but you know we give Georgia so much credit for being this elite program that uh, you know this game, while it's going to be exciting, it's not going to phase these players, I don't think, after everything they've been through. But you can flip it over to Notre Dame, Shane. It's the same deal. They, I mean, this is a team that has been to the college football playoff last year. I believe they went to New Year's Six the year before. So Kirby Smart's talking about uh, how both these teams, this this big moment shouldn't phase them. Well, I think they're exciting for the fans. The fans enjoy these games. They want uh, you to play high-caliber opponents. They want to see uh, these kind of games and this kind of atmosphere. So it's a catch-22 between playing the lower division teams and giving them an opportunity to fund their programs versus giving the fans what they want and play, uh, you know, a big-time non-conference matchup. And uh, I like I like the idea of both. You know, I like having a mixture there. And uh, I'm excited about this game because it's the next game. Coach, how much uh, does y'all's experience in other big games that these kids have played in, how will those ways help you in a contest like this on Saturday night? Well, same way it'll help them. You know, they played in big games. They play in a lot of big games annually. They had a you know playoff game last year against Clemson. I mean, they've got a lot of players who've played a lot of big games. So have ours. The, the guys who haven't for them and us, that'll be the biggest new experience uh, for each one of them. And uh, most of these kids nowadays are coming out of high school programs where they get to play in a lot of big games. But we have, uh, especially at some positions, some guys who've played in a lot of big-time football games. You hope that helps them. But... You know, when you look across their roster, there's there's guys that have played there for quite a while as well. All right, Shane, I can't wait for this game. I know we're both big on the Bulldogs heading into it, but it, th- these primetime games, they just have a way sometimes of being a lot, you know, classic games. Uh, so I'm not necessarily forecasting this one at this moment, but uh, what are your thoughts on uh, just how neat it is to – how often we get Notre Dame in the SEC, you know, coming down to an SEC stadium. This is this is going to be a sight to behold. Dude, I love it. I love it. And, you know, this is a game we – I don't know. I just think it means more because of last year. I really thought Georgia belonged in the playoffs and, Georgia, and uh, Notre Dame got in, and then they got smoked. You know what I'm saying? So – I don't know, man. And I maybe I'm reading into that a little bit, but I hope Kirby's using it down there, saying that these boys think that they're better than us, and the media thinks they're better than us, and and then it, it's just played out on Saturday. I, I don't think Kirby's going to have any trouble getting these guys hopped up for the game, but uh, this one's big, man. You know, because the same thing that we were talking about earlier with the teams, we don't really know the pulse of of some of these squads. 
this right here is we've only had one or maybe two out of conference. We had two ACC. Uh, well, let me let me clean that one up. We had Florida and Miami. We've had Texas A&M and Clemson, right? So a lot of people are looking at it saying, you know what, the ACC is right there with the SEC, you know. And then here you got Notre Dame, a team that plays a lot of other conferences and stuff. If Georgia could come out and just smoke them, then it, I think it's just going to show just how dominant the top half of the SEC is, man. I think you're right, Shane. But uh, again, going back to just how big of a atmosphere, how big of a game, not only for uh, the college football scene, the SEC getting a big win, but uh, how about this? I heard this from a buddy, Shane. They typically Georgia gets about ninety thousand people on an average game day in Athens. Mm-hmm. You want to take a ballpark guess on what they're expecting for Saturday's matchup against Notre Dame? Uh, jeez, I don't know, 100,000? 180,000 people they're expecting to descend on Athens. So obviously they're not all going to get into the the game. I mean, they are expanding the stadium. I think I mentioned that previously. This is going to be the... What does that mean when you say expanding? What is, how do you expand? You just throw out some lawn chairs out there? What does that mean? (laughs) Well, I... I can't recall the specifics, but a bit, essentially they're taking a couple sections and they're adding bleacher seats uh, to where wherever they can fit them in that stadium. And it they had to do it because they promised so many tickets to Notre Dame. And uh, I can't recall why they didn't just give them to Notre Dame the the allotment they they promised, but essentially to uh, to fulfill the the allotment they're they're adding. I think it's like 5,000 extra seats to Sanford Stadium just for Saturday's yeah, game. Then they're going to take them away. But uh, this is going to be a crazy scene. So basically double the amount of people in Athens on Saturday, one of the best you know, college towns in all of football. It's going to be quite the scene. College game day is going to be there. Um, I would advise, even if you're not going to the game, anyone out there, I would imagine just go, just being out there. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a special day for Georgia and all these fans, and I can't wait for it. But that fire marshal's raising hell down there, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, them bars are gonna be jumping, man. I mean, hell, let's just drive down there. You know, let's go hit a few of them. We don't have to go in the game. We just sit out there and drink with them. <laughs> bash Notre Dame. I'd be awesome. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, bashing, let's bash the Pac-12, Shane, because old wow. Cal, they're coming to Ole Miss this weekend. Howdy, howdy, Ole Miss. Uh, Matt Luke was asked about the you know the challenge of facing this team, and this is not your typical Pac-12 team, Shane. They're not a soft group. They're a team that's led by defense that doesn't have much of an offense. So they're they're kind of the exact opposite of what you think of a Pac. 12 team and uh, I did not think about this until it was brought up here during his Monday presser but uh, both his coordinators have experience here in the Pac-12 so that's kind of interesting they're going to know a little bit about this Cal team they're going to know about facing them Uh, so Matt Luke was asked about that and then how about this shade I believe Cal has the number one pass defense in the Pac-12 this is, a, this is a really good group they got here. So that's something to, to monitor, something Matt Luke hits on here. Matt, for this week, how helpful is it having Rich and Mike with their experience against a Pac-12 team, against a Justin Wilcox team? 
to kind of prepare. Yeah, yeah, I think it works both ways. I think they, they have some familiarity with, with each other, having played against each other, but uh, it works both ways because he's played against them too. So I think there, there is some familiarity. But any time that you have a, a coordinator or a head coach that you played against, you, you can go back and watch some of those things, and it does help. Matt, with this Cal team, what do they do so well defending the pass? Do you look at some of the games they've had against guys like Eason, and they've just played that side of the ball really well? Uh, you know, you just you just look at them and across the board, you know, so number one is they have the personnel as they're very, very talented in the secondary. They can play man. They're experienced in their zone coverages. They don't give you anything easy. They make you earn it. Uh, and, and when you have really good players executing a really good scheme, that, that's a recipe for success. So it's a, it's a combination. They understand their defense. Um, you know, Coach Wilcox has done an unbelievable job of creating that culture uh, on defense, and they're really, really talented as well. All right, Shane, so we've already kind of hit on this game previously. This is kind of one that could make or break Ole Miss's bowl potential here because we don't know how many SEC wings they're going to get. So these, these non-conference games are critical. Uh, thoughts on uh, this Ole Miss matchup with Cal? Oh, it's a huge game, Mike, you know, but – how pumped up are you about your, uh, you know, I, that's something I didn't think about, the coordinators being over there in the pack. But, you know, there's a reason old Rich Rod's an offensive coordinator at Ole Miss. You know what I'm saying? So it's not because he was successful over there in the pack. So that part kind of worries me a little bit, you know. But maybe I'm just reading into it too much because Ole Miss does look better, a lot better than they were last year. I think, you know, the offense obviously is, is taking a step back, but what do you expect when you have all those studs on the team, you know? But I think the defense has improved, and and I think there's an added element knowing who your opponent is, you know? Final team wanted to hit on here, Shane, on Monday. Roll Tide! Uh, Nick Saban met with the media here from Tuscaloosa, and, uh, you know, not a ton of uh, great insight here from Nick Saban. We're playing Southern Miss this week, so this is a team that uh, Mississippi State handled already, so you know you already know what Alabama's going to do to them. But coming to that South Carolina game, Shane, you know that was one thing we hit on all week. The Gamecocks could have a big advantage in that game and special teams. It kind of played out that way, Shane, except, you know, of course, every time the Gamecocks made a good special teams play, they got flagged for it and had to come, it got called back. But <laughs> So it didn't kill Alabama, but... The kickers and the punters, still a huge question mark, Shane. I know Alabama's just tearing through the schedule at this point, but when they get into a dogfight with somebody, these kickers are punters. Not saying they're going to cost them the game, but the way they're they're performing, uh, this is uh, this is the, the one part of the dynasty that uh, has been holding Nick Saban back here. Coach, for, for whatever reason, the punting has still been inconsistent in the games, and as you mentioned, they have the number one punt returner in the country coming in. Do you look at things differently? How do you approach that? Well, you know, we got to get better execution. Um, I mean, I don't care which guy's punted. We haven't. The thing about both guys is they're very capable and they do a really good job of punting in the game. Um, so the we don't we don't have anybody else to punt besides one of those two guys or we could go for it on every fourth down. Uh, that's our options. So one of those two guys have to punt, or we go for it on fourth down every time. So how do we approach it differently? I, we got to get those guys to execute. Uh, and they're capable of executing. 
uh, and they've done a really good job of doing it in practice. We just have not seen it in the game. You know, how you drop the ball is very important to how you punt, and almost every punt we've had in a game so far, the guy drops the ball inside, so you're going to kick the ball low uh, and not with good placement. So it's something that we definitely need to improve on. That would be on the list of things that we need to improve. Coach, how, how significant is the mental aspect of field goal kicking? And is it something that you kind of communicate with your guys that y'all work on behind the scenes, not so much the physical aspect, but the mental aspect? Well, I, I think it's critical. Um, you know, I, I think you got to be able to go in there and focus on, you know, that particular shot, almost like golf. Um, you know, it's um, th this guy has to have, as a field goal kicker, you know, to me, you have to have kind of a sniper mentality. You're going to take one shot, and you got to make that shot work, and you got to be able to stay focused on, you know, the basic things that are the benchmarks of what's going to help you be able to execute the best. And, you know, Will's very, very capable. Um, you know, I'm sure he's disappointed that he missed a field goal, and I'm sure he's disappointed that he missed an extra point in the last game. Uh, he kicked very well the game before, uh, but we're very confident that um, as he gets opportunities, he's going to develop more and more confidence in himself, um, but he's very capable. And that's, this is a case where, you know, he's a good hitter. Um, if he misses a couple and strikes out, we're just going to have to stay with him and keep supporting him because he's very capable. All right, Shade. So I just I just thought these were some pretty interesting comments here. Uh, the punters obviously struggling. The kickers. Kickers have been struggling for 10 years here in Alabama. They just got to be more like snipers, according to Saban. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, these comments here from Saban? Oh, Southern Miss is like, oh, hell, they're going to go for it on fourth down. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, this is – oh, I love it, dude. I, I don't know if it was you that sent that tweet out saying that God obviously has a sense of humor mm -hmm. because he blessed Alabama with all this talent down there, but they just can't get the kicking game right. You know, it's just <laughs> like they've got everything, but they just can't kick field goals and they can't punt. So, um, you Can't know, have it all, Shane. Can't, you definitely can't have it all. I And, and – I, I will say this, man, about the special teams. Saban loves special teams. I mean, it's a big part of his life. And the fact that he can't get that right, and it's not on him, but something I was thinking about, do you think that there's kind of this added element of stress down there? You know, you always hear about kickers getting the yips, you know. And here you've had Alabama that has struggled for many years with the, with the kicking game. And it's almost like they're cursed. And do you think that maybe gets in their head somehow? Because you see it time after time. I mean, the guy missed extra point. You know what I'm saying? So it, it makes you wonder if there's just an added element of stress because kicking is psychological, you know? Yeah, without a doubt. And it's not like Alabama's just having student tryouts and having the best student come out there and kick for them. I mean, mm -hmm. they're signing All-American after All-American at kicker and punter. And this is just an annual tradition of them unable to make these kicks. You know, I think the funniest story, Shane, Alabama, I don't know if you know this, but they had a commitment from Eddie Pinheiro, former Gator, great. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the best kickers in recent SEC history. And mm -hmm. he decided to, uh, I guess Alabama got him, offered him. He, he committed on the spot. 
He drove home. He's from Florida. Stopped by Gainesville. They offered him too. He's like, well, hell, it's a little bit closer to home, so I'm going with the Gators. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, they could have been set for years with Eddie Pinheiro. He was so good. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's there's something here. Remember, we even did an off-season podcast. They hired some coach. They were calling him the kicker whisperer. Yeah, <laughs> He's got the kicker whisperer down there. And it's still an issue. So, yeah, I think you're on to something, Shane. This is a, It's not talent. It's not coaching. It's just it's some kind of unexplained phenomenon down here in Tuscaloosa. Absolutely. It's a, it's an unwritten rule now. And these kids that come in, like you said, uber talented, but if you get your game off, if you get your mind, like you think you're about to blow this kick, then it really can affect you. Uh, And if you're not mechanical, you know, that's what they got to get back to. But I am not the guy to talk mechanics. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Shane, so that's all I got. We'll hit on a couple of these other teams tomorrow. Uh, when more coaches speak, we'll have more head-to-head comments to, to go off of here. But uh, you got anything before we hop off here? No, that's it, man. We're going to get into our uh, reviews, rating and reviews tomorrow. I appreciate everybody taking the opportunity to do that. We've got we've got a couple doozies we're going to read tomorrow. So I appreciate everybody taking the time to to do those ratings because they really do help us out a lot. And we, we do appreciate everybody and all the support we've getting. That's all I got, man. All right, Shane. Thanks for joining me as always. Thank you everyone for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. Smiling until then Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and bring the sunny weather Happy trails to you Till we meet again Jesus, Shane, you're not going to believe this, but... <laughs> no, are you kidding? I No, I'm good. I'm good to finish. But while we were sitting here waiting, yeah, I had something in my hands, and I was just fooling with it, and I didn't read what the instructions were. And it's like super adhesive glue, and I got it all over my hands. <laughs> so I'm, I'm doing the pod with 10 fingers like spread completely out because I, I had a couple fingers, you know, clenched hand and they my hands are stuck together oh man and i'm having chest pains you know (laughs) (laughs) oh man i don't want to die talking about old miss you know what i'm saying that's not how i want to go out mike and 
you can't come see me because your hands are super glued to the computer, you know? 